Hello and welcome to another episode of Fit Health Well. I'm your host, Jay Denson, and I thank you guys for listening and tuning in today. Um, we, you know, with uh, the things that's been going on right now with COVID-19, you know, I wanted to make an area of focus for our program and our listeners to speak to professionals that are dealing with this on, a, on an everyday basis. And today I'm speaking with Jennifer, who's a, who is a uh, vascular surgeon, and she's going to get into detail uh, what her practice is, what her title is as well. Um, but, you know, what I wanted to do with you guys today in this specific episode is just discuss um, or give provide information rather on you know what we can do to kind of ease the strain on our medical facilities and you know our first responders like our nurses and our and our doctors that are on the front line of this so you know she's going to provide us with some insight so I'm just going to allow her to introduce herself and um, just what it is that she does so Jennifer you have the floor how are you today Hi, good morning. Good morning, Jay and listeners. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Um, so just uh, by way of a very brief intro, I am a vascular surgeon. I work with Northwell Health, which is really the largest healthcare provider uh, in the region um, and very much on the forefront of dealing with this. Um, I'm an assistant professor of surgery. I work with Northwell, as I said, and the Zuffer School of Medicine. So I'm sort of just as a voice piece right now for our healthcare system. Um, my specific practice is based out of Lenox Hill, but is in Union Square. And my practice right now is really an outpatient practice. Um, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and if you could just go a little bit further and just specific with your practice, can you just define, um, you know, what a vascular surgeon and what vascular surgery is? Okay. So as a vascular surgeon, um, we specifically take care of anything related to the disease of the arterial system and the venous system. So the arteries are the vessels that bring um, oxygenated blood out of the heart and transport that oxygenated blood to the uh, tissues of the body. And then the venous system is the uh, vascular system that brings all that blood back after the oxygen's been taken off and bring it back to the uh, centrally to the lungs where it can be reoxygenated and repumped out. So vascular surgeons take care of all those blood vessels. Um, examples would be things like fixing carotid arteries that go to the brain when those are diseased, um, fixing the aorta when it's diseased, like aortic aneurysms, for example, um, doing bypasses on the leg, uh, leg vessels, um, for example, in diabetics who are having issues with tissue gangrene, um, and then all the parts of, and that's just a few, there, there are a lot, but that's sort of a basic. And then the venous system, we take care of all diseases related to the venous system, um, including venous reflux, severe venous insufficiency, varicose veins, and all the different ways that that can manifest. So a peripheral vascular surgeon takes care of all of that stuff. The cardiovascular surgeons take care of the blood vessels on the heart specifically. And then there are there is the vascular tree within the brain, and that's taken care of by the neurosurgeons. So the peripheral vascular, we get everything outside of the heart and the brain. Um, my specific practice now, I've been in practice for a long time, um, <laughs> and it's 
over the last few years, it's really morphed into a focus on venous disease. So that's sort of my passion, and that's where my practice is now. Um, uh, currently, we have shut down all elective surgery and uh, all elective office visits and procedures. This is system-wide and, in fact, is really nationwide. The American College of Surgeons put out a mandate um, to all of us surgeons that we not do non-urgent or emergent surgery so as to um, preserve our forces, meaning our boots on the ground, and the surgeons and doctors and nurses and PAs and all the people who help us take care of patients. And also we are um, in dire need of all of the gowning, equipment, masks, and whatnot, all the resources that go into taking care of patients, we need to preserve. So right now we are um, not doing elective work, not seeing patients electively that we can either talk to by phone or video conference with. Um, so that's it. You know, we're that we're like all hands on deck right now, and this is not the time for us to be focused on elective work. Um, so my practice, from my own specific standpoint, we've shut down, and we are, you know, we are part of the sort of, as I like to say, boots on the ground. You know, this is a war, right? Um, so that's what we're doing, and that's not just me by any stretch of the imagination. That is happening broadly across not just our country, but um, globally, globally. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this is a very, very trying times. And, and of course, uh, myself included, we thank you, um, you medical professionals for your support. Um, you know, you've been mandated and kind of geared towards, um, you know, of not doing your practice. So what is your directive uh, in, in terms of support? What are, what are you guys being asked to do um, in response to the COVID-19 uh, outbreak? Oh, everything. You know, we are we are all healthcare professionals right now. People are putting are being placed outside of their normal specialties. Nurses are being shifted around to meet gaps and needs. Doctors outside of specialty are taking care of patients that they wouldn't ordinarily be taking care of. Because right now, you know, we're we are just nurses and physicians. We are not plastic surgeons or vascular surgeons or general. We are all you know, one healthcare force. So, you know, in New York, of course, you know, we are the epicenter right now in this country. So things are uh, really pretty dire here right now. So what it looks like here is different than what it might look like somewhere else in the country that hasn't reached the point we're at. And, and, and God willing, um, will not reach the point we're at. So things are looking different here um, than elsewhere. Um, uh, but this is happening across all the healthcare systems in New York. So we're being shifted and pushed and pulled to fill gaps um, just outside of our normal normal practice. Absolutely. And um, and that just leads me to my next question. So, you know, and, and it's amazing. Thank you for that insight because I myself had no idea and, and the listeners that are listening to this right now, um, you know, to hear that, you know, that – 
the the individual practice is has just been ceased and it's one just you know one force filling in the gaps taking care of yeah, the public yeah. you know that's really amazing to hear um yeah. what i what i'd like to ask you as well is like what are some of the challenges that you yourself is fa- facing as a medical professional and your hospital as well um again so um i i, I just sort of want to speak more broadly to where northwell is in this and um, we are all in this area um, very, very fortunate to be to have such incredible leadership um, with our our leader Michael Dowling and his his working with the governor of New York, uh, et cetera, to really start rolling out testing and you know there's a lot stuff going on at a basic science level behind the scenes it's all ramped up and is happening um but you know we're not we're not by any means out of the woods right now we're, there's still a great deficit in what we have available to take care of existing patients future patients um healthcare providers who are going to be getting sick because you know, when you stand over sick patients and uh, are exposed, that, that that's going to happen. It, it is happening, and it will continue to happen. So, um, I, I can't remember. <laughs> it's okay. It's right okay. Now. It's but, all right. Um, um, so, how has it affected me specifically, other than having to, you know, close my elective type practice down, which I'm happy to do because it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, we're all going to be pulled and placed where we're needed. And, um, you know, that's what we signed up for. That's what we signed up for. So I, I would say, you know, the biggest, the biggest message from all of us who are kind of running into the fire, so to speak, is to just help support us by doing what you must do as a moral and ethical mandate. You must inconvenience yourself and stay at home. You must be willing to be flexible and change your life as you've known it, at least in this period of time. You must take care of your neighbors and call out bad behavior. You must allow us to take care of people who need to be taken care of by not overwhelming the medical system with non-essential stuff right now. Certainly, if people are sick with anything and other things, and remember, we're not just taking care of COVID-19. We're taking care of all the regular stuff that (laughs) people get sick with. Um, So, you know, you need to stay home, do your part, and, you know, we will get through this together. We will. We will. But you have to help us. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's very important as you guys are listening to this. Um, you know, not, they, these, our medical professionals are on the forefront. Um, and, you know, we're being told, uh, and you let, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're being told if, mm-hmm. you know, if you do feel any signs of the flu, wait two or three days, and then if it's worsened to come in. Um, is that correct? Okay. So what we really want people to do is if you're feeling sick, reach out by phone to your regular medical doc, your regular primary care doc. Reach out by phone, discuss what you're experiencing, and they'll um, advise you accordingly. We do not want people coming into the ER, the hospital, the urgent care centers with mild 
flu-y feelings. If you're sick, stay home, isolate, care for yourself with all the things you would usually do, good rest, good food, good hydration, um, Tylenol, um, symptomatic support. Um, if things get worse and you are getting sicker um, and having difficulty breathing, certainly you're going to, again, call your medical doctor, call ahead before just showing up because we need to be prepared to evaluate you. We need to be protected to evaluate you and protecting others around you as well. So this is the time for not showing up to urgent care centers and ERs with minimal symptoms because, frankly, you won't get tested because there are strict criterion for testing. Um, don't show up just because you kind of want to know. You won't get tested. Not, not right now. We don't have the capacity to test people who do not meet very strict clinical criterion. And you'll be told to go home and rest up and do those things, not because you know, the healthcare system isn't caring for you. We are. And right now that's the best thing we can do for you. So phone conversations with your medical doc. A lot of people are doing, are ramped up now and doing telemedicine. You can talk to your doc, uh, FaceTime with them, whatever they've got set up, but don't overwhelm. And, and also we don't want you on public transportation if you don't need to be. And I don't know how, I don't know where we are in this, but I suspect if it hasn't already happened very shortly, you won't even be allowed to be on the subway or public transportation unless you are a quote unquote essential worker. Um, so the phone call is your best friend, isolating yourself from your family. Um, and basically right now we should all be acting and treating ourselves and others as if we are infected. Mm. And this gets to a really important point. People are infected. Many people are infected who do not have symptoms. They look fine. They feel fine. They have zero or minimal symptoms. So you cannot tell who is sick by looking. So because of that, we are at risk of exposing others unintentionally. Nobody wants to get another person sick. Um, but if you think you know when you're sick, you don't. To treat yourself as if you've been infected, when you go out for a walk or a run, you must 100% maintain at least, at least six feet more. Um, you do not go out in groups. That's reckless and irresponsible and, frankly, unethical behavior at this point. So it's, it's you know, it's hideously horrible and incredibly inconvenient for every single person going through this. But you can maintain social distance. You can do the right thing. Absolutely. This is great information. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Like um, to, to hear this, especially from a medical professional by yourself, um, just the little things like that, like you said, the social distancing, not going out if you don't have to, is very crucial and key, not only to, you know, yourself, but just to, to the public. Um, the, the next question that I have and it's a two part question. Uh, I just want to yeah. backtrack a little. Um, you said that there is very strict criteria um, in, t in the testing of COVID-19. So what I wanted to ask you, the first question right. being, what is that criteria? And the second question is, if someone tests positive for COVID-19 mm -hmm. at your location, what are the procedures in place? 
So if you, okay, so the first question, what are the clinical criteria? There's really no longer, initially when this whole thing started rolling out, we had a, uh, one of the criterion for concern was that someone had had travel to one of the countries of, of you know, at, where we were seeing most cases globally. That's no longer um, one of our criterion at all. We have rampant community spread. So a travel history is 100% irrelevant now. Um, whether or not you've traveled globally doesn't matter. It's here and it's rampantly here, particularly in New York City. So we're talking to a New York City-based audience right now. Um, <clears throat> criterion include things like, and I'm not being, I'm not being incredibly didactic here because I, I, I'm largely not talking to a medical audience. But, but criterion that are suggestive would be things like high fever, um, dry achy throat, dry cough, not a productive cough, a dry cough, um, other viral or sort of quote-unquote flu-like symptoms, sort of myalgias, arthralgias, that's the achy muscle, sort of that achy, icky feeling you get when you're, when you're sick. Um, the sniffles is not such a big component of this sort of a thing. Um, although, of course, I've been reading all of the medical literature, and of course, there's always a couple cases here and there, but largely it's the fever, fatigue, myalgia, arthralgia, um, the, the, the dry cough is a really, really significant indicator. Again, not in every person. These are, these are broad strokes. Um, and there's also some people presenting with really a GI issues, gastrointestinal issues. So um, diarrhea, um, nausea, this is, this is the presentation in some people, which, um, again, there is largely transmission is by large droplet transmission, so the cough, the sneeze. Um, but there is evidence that there may be a fecal-oral transmission, so that's the, the feces, right? stool to mouth transmission so of course we always wash our hands when we go to the bathroom <laughs> but now we super duper duper wash our hands you know this is the 20 seconds at least count it out to yourself 20 seconds soap and water always and frequently um and the good news is that the virus looks to be disrupted quite well with soap and water so when you're home, um, lots of soap and water. Don't use your hand sanitizer at home. Use your soap and water at home. And use your hand sanitizer when you don't have access to a sink and soap and water. That's very key. That That is very useful information. Um, and... and Something that's beneficial, again, like you said, if, if you're in public, hand sanitizer is the key. But if you're home, not, I think that solves two fronts. One, the soap and, and water is more effective. And then, two, you're conserving your, your hand sanitizer, right? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And remember, we want hand sanitizer um, with a, you know, a high enough alcohol content. So most of the hand sanitizers out there, we're saying like 60% or more alcohol content. Most of the hand sanitizers out there meet that criterion. Um, for example, like right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at a bottle of Purell Advanced Hand Sanitizer. Um, and this has, um, I think it's a 
uh, alcohol content. So you want to make sure some of the fancy hand sanitizers, a uh, uh, 70% alcohol content. Um, some of the funny, cute, smelly, yummy hand sanitizers <laughs> may not meet that criterion. So take a look at the back of your packaging and make sure um, you've got the good stuff. Exactly. I want to drive that home at that point home to uh, get a high alcohol based uh, hand sanitizer. You know, the Bath and Body Works look cute and they smell great, <laughs> but uh, but I'm pretty sure you want something that's effective. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have any of that stuff. And honestly, if you look at the back, it'll say on its packaging it may meet the right standards. It may. I don't know. But but take a look at the back um, of that. Absolutely. That's very helpful. And then the second part of that question is, um, and just backtracking just a little, um, on if someone tests positive at your location, you know, what are the procedures in place? Like, what do you guys do? Okay. So if someone tests positive and they're not that symptomatic or they're moderately sick, they're sent home. It's documented and they're sent home with the instructions to self-care and isolate from your family. And they'll have, you know, some follow-up contact with their primary care doc, but they're told to go home mm. um, and represent only if and when they become really sick. And, and by really sick, we're talking about shortness of breath and difficulty breathing. So if you're sniffly and kind of achy right now, it, it could be COVID-19, it could be not. It could be a run-of-the-mill, regular old cold. Um, but do stay home. Call your doc if you've got questions. Stay home. Absolutely. Don't go out and expose others. And don't don't come in for for um, for to, to see a doc because you're going to be sent home and you're not going to be tested. But call your medical doc. This is not. This is information. This is not, I'm not being prescriptive. I'm not your doctor. Um, so by all means, call your doctor, always. And then the last thing that I want to get into, you touched on this earlier in the episode where you said, you know, the hospitals need gowns and masks and things like that. So what I wanted to ask you is, you know, to anyone listening to this that wants to donate and has these products, um, and yes. you, yeah, you're in New York City. So uh, let us yeah. know some organizations or some places that they can drop these things off. Um, so you can go, I would recommend going really to any place that you're closest to, again, practicing social distancing. Bellevue Hospital is a major hospital taking care of patients. All of the Northwell hospitals, Lenox Hill, um, the Lenox Hill Greenwich Village ER, um, down, you know, downtown on 7th Avenue and 13th, um, Manhattan Eye and Ear, um, Columbia Presbyterians, Cornell's, all of, we're all in this together. So any healthcare, some, a Go Health location, any place where healthcare providers are working and not being able to protect themselves. Because remember, guys, if we're sick, there's no one to fly the plane. So you need to hand over the stuff that you don't need and give it to the people who are trying to take care of patients. If our healthcare providers, if our nurses, if our PAs, if our nurse practitioners, if our doctors 
um, and all the people in the hospital that support us in taking care of people. If we all are getting sick, there's no one to take care of you. So you'll be sitting home with your stash of N95s, um, but there will be no one to take care of you. So really, you're protecting yourself, your family, your children, your parents, people you love, by giving the supplies over to the people who desperately need them. So that would be, again, this is a time where we act ethically and dig deep. This is an all-for-one mentality and one for all. So do the right thing. You, you, it will... It will it will be good karma for you. Absolutely, um, and you'll and you'll feel good about yourself knowing that you did the right thing. And remember, the way we act today, our children are watching us, um, and we want our children to be able to live in a world that's here for them. So, you know, this is it, guys. This is the test for all of us people. Absolutely. And I, 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 I want to emphasize this enough and I, I can't emphasize this enough. Rather, um, you know, in in 95 masks or, or medical masks really used by professionals. And, you know, whether you work in a hospital facility or you have access to these professional masks, you know, you're taking away from our medical, prof- you know, their their um their 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 inventory of stuff that they need on an ongoing basis, right? So, you know, this isn't a surgical mask uh, of things of that nature. So, you know, you have to be conscious. I I personally uh, run this parallel to, you know, when people go out to the grocery store and buy four or five packs of toilet tissue and not thinking about our elderly seniors, right? So um, when you're taking these things out these facilities or, you know, you're purchasing them from websites, um, you know, keep in mind that that our medical, our first responders are being affected. They need these things. And what I'm going to do is on our website at fithealthwell.com, especially in the New York City area, uh, just tailored with this episode, I'm going to have some places where you can donate donate these things um, in these hospitals, and, and we're going to post that on the website as well. Um, Jennifer, thank That's you so awesome. much. For, yeah, thank you so much for your time, thank and if you. there's anything um, before you go that you need to say that you want to drive home, uh, just let our listeners know right now. Uh, I guess, you know, again, for people not in healthcare, the single, single most important thing for you to do is heed, respect, and carry out the mandate for social distancing. Isolation, stay home, that's it. That's the most important thing you can do, and it's really necessary. When you need to go out to grocery shop, because we need to feed our, our families, practice social distancing. Take what you need, no more, and, and get back home. That's what you need to do. You need to stay home. The people who can't stay home won't, but but you need to stay home. That's it. That's the single most thing. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't cough and sneeze all over places, things, and people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, be a good person. Be That's a good it. person. Exactly. Okay. That's it. 
Just be a good human being. Now's the time, definitely, of, of any time. Yeah. A lot of us, uh, even medical professionals themselves that I've spoken to, we're learning as we go along, right? There's people that studied oh, yeah. medicine for their entire life, even to the common yeah. person. And we're learning as we as we go along. New information is coming out daily uh, regarding oh, yeah. COVID-19. So, you know, just do your part. Uh, make sure everything she... Jennifer did an amazing job, guys, uh, giving you enough information on what you need to do um, on your day-to-day life and to continue to have safe practice. So we can keep this thing at bay until, you know, our our people that are involved in the uh, infectious diseases can figure this thing out. But until then, just keep doing what you're doing. Jennifer, thank you so much for for, for your time today. Um, You know, again, I want to drive home. Go to fithealthwell.com. I'm going to have some places on there where you can donate supplies uh, to our first responders as well. And then again, for updated information, um, just make sure that you're listening to the Fit Health Well podcast. You can find that on our website as well as fithealthwell.com. We're also on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple and Apple Podcasts. Um, and then also you can follow us on Instagram at Fit Health Well, um, and then our Facebook page Fit Health Well. So again, just make sure you guys are following. Awesome. Yep, we're staying we're staying on top of this uh, this COVID nineteen, and um, you. You know, we just want to make sure that everybody's taking care of not only themselves, but e- each other. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jennifer, again, for, for just coming in and, and, and spe- uh, using your time uh, to inform us. And we're just going to stay on top of this. I'm Jay Denson, and we will keep you posted until the next episode. Thank you so much, guys. You have a great day.